Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, all you modern lovers. We are almost there. It's almost Valentine's Day V-Day. So in advance, let me wish you all a day of victory in your love lives. And you know where that ends and begins. It begins with you loving you, and it ends with you loving you. And tonight's guest is going to talk with us about one of the great enemies of love, and that is stress. And you may be asking yourself, well, gee, exactly what is stress? We hear the word all the time, and we never think, gee, is that the reason I don't feel like being with my beloved or I don't have the energy to attract my beloved or maybe that's the reason I have a headache night after night. Well, we're going to talk about all that and more this evening. Our guest is Leslie Strong, who's the author of a book called The You Factor. That's Y-O-U Factor. And what all of this has to do with stress is what she'll reveal as she talks about stress and love. Leslie is also the creator of Strong Coaching, and we're so happy to welcome you to the show. Leslie, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Dr. Brenda, and thank you for having me on. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So basically, the premise we're talking about is that stress impacts love. How is that? Stress impacts love because when you're stressed, You aren't in your body. You are in a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is the emotional part of your brain. And when you're in there, you're in such a powerless place. You're full of reactions. You you can't think. You're not present. And all you can think about is what's, what's next, what's coming, and how are you going to manage. It's a state of overwhelm. And when we're not present and when we're in that state of overwhelm, we 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 can't enjoy the love that can come into our life. We can't appreciate the people right in front of us because we're too busy thinking of what we didn't do, what we have to do, where we're going, you know, what we missed, what we all these things that go on in our heads. Absolutely right, Leslie. The other issue is that sometimes the stress can get so bad we're just hijacked by all the stress hormones, right? I call that an amygdala hijack. Funny you use that word, Dr. Brenda. <laughs> the amygdala hijack is that part of the brain, you know, where we go in, as we call it, that reptilian part where it's just full of emotion, fight or flight. And, uh, yes, we get hijacked. We completely get hijacked from having any power to choose um, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, how we would like to react, what we would like to say. 
we are just in a complete reaction mode. We aren't taking responsibility. We aren't um, we aren't thinking through what's really going on because we are completely, as you say, hijacked. Yeah, and for people who get hijacked and you're in the ugly place, now I know none of our beautiful listeners have ever been hijacked. I myself certainly <laughs> have never been hijacked, Leslie. I would just like to say, okay, look, we've all been there. We've all been too tired. We've all been too hungry. You know, we've all been hangry and hungover and God knows what else. And those are all forms of stress because all stress, as you're saying, has to do with the brain being in a state where we just aren't there. So how did you get interested in this work, Leslie? I got interested in this work. um, I've been a coach for 20 years. And when I grew up, I grew up in a family with a 50s, styled parental regime, I called it, where women were the, the nurturers and the cheerleaders for the men, and the men were the ones who did all the heavy lifting. They made the decisions. They made the money. Us girls, we were precious, and we cooked, and we cleaned. And for me coming out a very feisty, energetic, opinionated little girl, it really didn't work in my house very well because I had two older brothers. So there was a lot of men. And as I got older, I was continually frustrated by this process. And so I really dove into what was was it that that wasn't working for me and, and how this occurred. And I really started to dive into the concept of personal power and when we lose our power and how do we get it back. And stress is really one of those places where we lose our power because we have no control. And when we, when we don't have control and we feel overwhelmed, uh, we get into that place of, of, of you know, being angry and frustrated, resentful, tired, you know, not present in our life. And, like, and so the, the real key is how do we get back that personal power so that we can find happiness and fulfillment? So for you, that and, really came about because in your family you felt you didn't have any power. No, I had none. No. Wow. no. Yeah. And, when, and my mother didn't know any different. Like she didn't uh, have any either and she didn't know any different because that's how she was brought up. And so we actually have good giggles now talking about it thinking, "Oh my gosh, can you imagine what we put up with when we were little, when you know, when I was little and she was, you know, a young married woman with kids and we kind of, we can giggle at it now, but it was stressful and it was it was not a great time." Hmm. So you have a story here about leading a professional workshop that had mostly men in it, to your point about growing up with no power. Uh, tell us about that. <laughs> well, I've, I have led uh, workshops, yes, with mostly men, and uh, on one occasion I got called Vanna White as I was, you know, scratching on the, uh, the, on the flip chart. And, uh, and so had to manage that, uh, definitely. It's um, the gender differences is a very interesting. That must have been so upsetting because you oh. know, anybody being called Vanna White is going to feel like, gee, you don't have a voice. You're not somebody who's respected. Your job is just to be, you know, and kind of a mode of being a sex object. Really, that's what Vanna's role was. Absolutely, and if that doesn't, you know, suck your power out right then and there, you know, in the middle of a workshop, and to, you know, to in the moment have to get it back. It's um, yeah. It, it, so it's it's quite interesting being a woman 
in a, ma- in a male industry, which is a whole other, I think, show. Now, did you tell <laughs> your mother about that Vanna White incident? Pardon me? Did you tell your mom about the Vanna White incident? Oh, yeah, she was horrified. She was horrified. But, wow. you know, I think being a woman of the 50s, that was natural for her. She kind of said, oh, sweetie, don't worry about it. That's just men. You know, that was her generation. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so you, though, had a breakthrough here. You know, as I, I read over some of your work, one of the things you said is you realized it was a dumb comment and you had to do something for yourself about this. How did you work through being called Vanna White, growing up in a home where everybody's power was ta- women's power was taken away? How did you begin to deal with that for yourself? Um, it was it's you know it was a long journey. These journeys are not are not quick and they're not easy. Um, and it really was a journey for me about looking inside to who I am, and you know looking my confidence and and really there was a point and I think and it's the first power tool in my book and so I believe it's the most important is I had to take responsibility for everything in my life was there for a reason. And I had created it in one way or another. And if I didn't like it, I could create something different. Which is and that was the most that was the so first most powerful wow. thing I learned. Yeah, and that's the opposite of that of what most of us feel when we're challenged, we feel like we're victims and mm-hmm. we take things personally. Mhm. Yes, and being a victim is a very that's a real stuck place to get because there's usually a lot of evidence of why we are a victim. And, And then we go and we talk to our girlfriends, you know, over a latte or a glass of wine, and then we get more evidence because they agree with us. It's like, oh, yes, they shouldn't have done that. That was terrible. You know, you're poor you. And so we continue that, that spiral of being a victim and really the power is getting out of that place and just knowing you can create whatever you need to create because you got yourself into it, you can get yourself out. Now, what are the steps? When you say we got ourselves into it, pretty broad brushstroke, and some people may be saying, hey, wait a minute, I didn't get myself into a situation where because I am a woman, I face sexism, or I can't get the same pay or get the same promotion as a man. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I, it can, it really can go right down to the fact you did pick, you know, you did choose your job. And so that could be part of it. Um, and the power really isn't in getting stuck in what we, you know, where we are. It's, it's accepting where you are now in order to either accept it and stick with it, or perhaps it's to accept it in order to make a change and choose something different. So and it's knowing that we always have choices. Right. So you're saying accept where you are as opposed to blame yourself for where you are. Yeah, I mean, and, and women are notorious for beating ourselves up for something or another. You know, whether it's having a cookie when we shouldn't have had a cookie in the day because we weren't going to eat sweets today, or, you know, we didn't get to the gym, or we missed a so- our child's soccer game, or... The presentation wasn't in on time. Like we are forever ruminating about what we didn't do or that we didn't do something correctly. 
And so really it's just accepting that what is, is, and then where do you want to go from here? Exactly. And where is the first step? Not to blame yourself. Don't take where you are personally and beat yourself up with it or go through that, you know, that whole little song and dance as you're saying, Leslie, about why did I do it and I would have, could have, should have. So what is the first step once we say, okay, I accept it. This is where I am right now. What's the next step? The next step is really knowing you have choices. So, you know, and, and I'm not going to tell you that all your choices are going to look all that good. Like sometimes they really aren't. If we're in a job we don't like, you know, our choices might be we stay in a job we don't like, we stay and maybe we look for something else because, you know, we can't afford to leave it. We may have to quit. But, you know, then there's so many conversations. So our choices aren't always fantastic choices. However, knowing you have a choice creates a sense of freedom in your brain and your body, which takes that stress away to say, I'm in control. I have choices. I'm in control. And when we accept one of our choices, then, you know, you go through and you know what you've done and you're more aware of it. So you don't feel like a victim to it. You put yourself Um, in the driver's seat. Yeah, and the whole victim mentality is driven by thoughts that really are all about poor me, it's awful, look what they did to me, that sort of thing. So you're Mm -hmm. saying, hey, flip the switch and step into I've got choices. Now, you've had to make some of these choices yourself, haven't you, Leslie? Oh, yes. (laughs) Tell us I about have. one of the, the, the choices you've had to make when you were in that space, you know, life dishes it out dishes it out pretty evenly. Nobody gets, you know, that wonderful life that everyone imagines everybody else has. Yeah, so I mean it it, it always looks so much better on the outside, doesn't it? Um yeah, it, when I was starting to have, have children, so when I was pregnant, I was running my own business at the time. Uh, before I became a coach, although I did some in my business, um, I was a I I worked in marketing and advertising industry, uh, training them on the brain differences between men and women, and impacting their communication. And I realized that I worked so many hours, and I really wanted to stay home and be more of a hands-on mom. And it was a very tough choice for me to think, do I go out of the workplace? How am I going to function monetarily, you know, in the family? How are we going to work, my husband and I? Um, You know, what's that going to be like for me to stay home? I'm someone who works and likes to work. And it was, you know, it was quite a dilemma to give up my business that I had started and built and grown and loved. And I did. I ended up doing that. Um, You know, and two years later, I thought, no, I really like working. So that's when I took up coaching so that I could have more time, you know, working and time with my children, so I could make the whole thing work together. That is a really, really challenging thing, because going from being that professional woman with that way of being in the world to being a hands-on mom, that is a big, big challenge. Was there anything you did in particular that helped you with that? 
What what really helped me was um, I, I really needed to get rid of a lot of my assumptions about who I was going to become. Let's, I have that in quotations as my fingers go in the air. Um, as a stay-home mom in the world. You know, I had to think my assumption of stay-home mothers have it easy, stay-home mothers don't really do anything, stay-home mothers. And I had a whole lot of assumption of stay-home mothers until I became one and realized it was the toughest job in the entire world and nobody gets yep, paid nearly about, enough for that job. It's about 23 <laughs> jobs all rolled into one. Oh, <laughs> like you who knew? But, you know the but studies the where they analyzed all the jobs yeah. that full-time moms did and said if you had to pay for all these services, it would cost about $800,000 a year? Oh, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't doubt it. It is... Um, it is quite. It's. It, it. I think it puts the the most, the smartest, most productive people on the planet. It challenges them. Like it is the yeah. most challenging job. Without a doubt. Now, one of the things you also talk about is what is my personal truth. What is mm-hmm. that all about? Well, you know, truth. Truth in, um, has two sides to this. So there's the personal truth that is the I would say the positive side, the one that empowers us. And then there's the personal truth, which really trips so many of us up, which is a truth that we believe, and we believe it to be the truth, but it really is not the truth. And they come in the form of, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not skinny enough, you know, I'm not successful. I'm, I mean, there's just, you know, there's a ton of them. I'm not smart enough. We, there's a list of, of all the I'm nots. And we somewhere along our life are told or have taken on that belief or we're told by like a peer, a, a teacher, a parent, somebody in our life, and it becomes the truth for us. And when that becomes the truth, it runs our subconscious. It runs the lens that we see ourselves and the world through. And then from there, we start making a whole lot of assumptions about what's right, wrong, how the world works, how people think about us, how we believe, how we think about ourselves, whether we can do a job well or not well, or get hired or find a loved one, be proposed to, get asked on a date. You know, it goes into every every little morsel yes, of our being. Yes, believe something, it's like putting on a pair of glasses. And I always talk about mm-hmm. this in my seminars. It's like putting on a pair of glasses that are tinted, one yeah. color, and the whole world looks that way. So tell us more about what you mean when you ask people, how would my situation change if I held the opposite truth? since we're talking about truth. Right. So, well, let's, let's use an example. If, if my truth was that I wasn't smart enough, so if that was a truth that I carried, well, I, would, um, I may not apply to particular colleges or college at all. I may not go for particular jobs. I may not think I'm worthy of moving up the ladder in a corporation, I might think, oh, I'm not really that smart. I think I'll just, you know, stay at a, maybe like a secretary or receptionist. Um, People who are smart won't want to talk to me. 
So I'm not going to engage in conversations with people who have maybe college degrees, university degrees, um, people who are presumed smarter. I mean, that would take on a whole, uh, and that would encompass your whole network of friends, where you, what kind of job you have, where you hang out, what kind of people you attract. Yeah, so what you're saying is in order to change that situation, you've got to hold the opposite truth and say, what can I do by shifting that? Is that what you're saying? Yes, and, you know, the the great thing about those non-truths is that they really aren't the truth. There's something that we all have and we've all, but we make it up. We make it up when we're children or somewhere as we're growing up. We make it up because, you know, the world, the universe does not work in a way that wants us to think badly about ourselves, think negative about ourselves, and doesn't allow us to be powerful and move forward. So whatever that negative thought process is, it's not the truth. You made it now, up somewhere and you can love, change it. Yeah, I want to really dig in here, Leslie. We're talking about love. Our program is Modern Love, and of course the workplace has a lot to do with love and stress. How does the stress impact if you have a negative belief about yourself and it's creating stress? How does that show up in a love relationship? Well, you know, first if you if if you have a negative thought process about yourself in some way, you may not think you're worthy of love. And if that is running the show that you aren't worthy of love in some way, and you 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 do have someone in your life, let's say, then when they maybe don't come home on time or they might be texting a little too often, your your mind might automatically think oh, they don't love me anymore, they're going and finding somebody else, um, or, or if, you know, you didn't get flowers on Valentine's Day, well, they don't love me. And none of this may be true. But that's an assumption that we start making because of the lens we're looking through from that truth. And it causes a lot of stress when you think, well, maybe I'm not lovable, maybe I, I will never find a love on Valentine's Day, or my love didn't give me flowers on Valentine's Day. And then the stress that comes in because we try to go control that situation. So if I go to try and control, the, you know, my boyfriend for giving me flowers on Valentine's Day when I don't get them, it's, you know, I'm going to be angry at him. You should have given me flowers. That means you don't love me, you know. And, and then there's a whole blow up of, a, of the relationship. And it's all based from that non-truth which causes that amygdala to go firing, right? That amygdala hijack, and we become reactionary. We become um, overwhelmed and stressed and reactionary, and we don't have our power and we don't have control. Reaction, you know, one of the things I've noticed about people reacting is once you're hijacked, there is a program installed in the brain in childhood Whatever your parents are most likely to do when they were angry seems to be what comes out. Is that your experience? Yes. Yes. I mean, I mean our brain is like a massive computer. <laughs> I always call it, it's like a road map. And I do a lot of work with the brain. And, um, you know, we have little roads. And what happens is the more you drive on that road, the more ingrained it gets. And so it becomes so automatic, you know, so automatic. And that's why in relationships and love, 
we tend to, do you ever notice people fight about the same thing over and over again? Absolutely. Now, what is the way out, Leslie? For those people who are dealing with modern life and wanting to have a great modern love with all the stressors that are out there, uh, whether it's the workplace or whether it's being a stay-at-home mom, we know that anxiety and depression are actually higher for stay-at-home full-time moms because there isn't as much support, et cetera. So there's stress, whether you're full-time at home, whether you're in the workplace. And then on top of it, the brain is hijacked, and you start acting like your mother, which you said you would never do, or your father, which you said you would never do. (laughs) How do we put all the pieces together now? One one phenomenal way for especially especially a stay home mom, but this goes for for all women, and that is to really learn how to what I call fill ourselves up. What happens is we we tend to look for somebody else to make us happy. Women are bonders, and we need to bond and connect. And in that, we give away our power because we leave it to somebody else to make us happy. And so, you know, I'm a real proponent of making yourself a list, all the things that really fill your heart and soul. And, you know, and it could be read a book, go for a latte with a girlfriend, call someone on the phone, watch a, a TV show, play with the dog, go to a spa. It could be anything, but try to incorporate them in your day, even if it's for 10 minutes. And then some of the bigger ones might be like getting a manicure, might be something that's great. You may want to put that in every two weeks. But, but schedule them into your life because when you start giving back to you, you're telling your brain you think you're important. You're saying, I'm important, I love me. And what happens is when we get filled up, we have so much more love to give and we have so much more bandwidth for the stresses and the other and the people who are pulling from us. And, you know, and I always say there's such a difference between selfish and selfless. And women try not to be selfish. But what happens is we become selfless and then we're empty. Hmm. And the way to be selfless is to be full. Be selfish first so you're full. And then you have like then you will just have so much to give, and you will have so much bandwidth for, men, for whatever comes up. Advice for men: We we know that women are going to have a lot less stress if they do self care. How how could a man approach self care and filling up so this stress level goes down, which makes you a more available partner? For um for a man to give to his woman or for himself. For himself, because, you know, men suffer from stress just as much as mm-hmm. women. Sometimes it looks different. Yes, and, I th- and men are the same. It's, it's finding ways to what you love to do. If it's, a, you know, it might be around a golf, and that may not be possible to do once a week, but put it in once a month and go with your best buddies. Maybe it's getting out and, you know, going for a run, going for a beer, watch a football game. Um, but just it's really important for us, it's important for our brains to, to know that we're giving to us and that then we can then give to others. Now, yeah, men are men typically a little better at them than we are. 
Yeah, I think so. And men yeah. really respond well to cave time. It's like, go in the man cave and yeah. do your thing. So, Leslie, at the end of the day, if you gave your best piece of coaching advice to our audience, what would that be? How do we weave together, once again, lowering our stress level, stepping into our truth, our highest truth, if you will, and we bring it home, bring it home to our love lives. And by the way, if you're single, everybody, I'm going to ask Leslie for advice for our wonderful single audience also. So the the one piece of advice I would say is, um, especially for the single people, is is to really look at your expectations because expectations, especially with Valentine's Day coming up, we have a lot of expectations and we lose our power to the expectation because our power goes to what the other person is going to do for us, what we would like them to do. And it leaves us very vulnerable. And if we expect to be proposed to, if we expect to be, um, to even be asked on a date, you know, that puts us in a very vulnerable position. And it's an expectation that we have. And if it goes awry, what you're left with is disappointment. You're left with being upset, sad, and frustrated and angry. And so, you know, I would say get rid of that expectation and find a way to fill Valentine's Day and love with love from other people. And get rid of the expectations that we have in life of other people and our situations so that we can just create a world that we're, we can be powerful and that we love. And we, you, know, you lessen your sense of disappointment and frustration and anger. Okay, so ditch all the expectations. Fill yourself up with love. Mm-hmm. Care yourself, everyone. Make a list. I love this, making a list. Make a list. So that you know, hey, I can check something off that list and do that for myself because I'm going to feel full and a full person might make a much better date or mate, everyone. Mm-hmm. Leslie Strong, I want to let people know that you have an ebook available for all of our modern love listeners. It's available on your website, which is www.strongcoaching.com. Dot com, and they can go there and click on Modern Love and get that ebook. And your ebook is an abbreviated version of The You Factor, a handbook for powerful living. Thank you so much for being with us this evening, Leslie Strong, and bringing Thanks. your gift to all of us. And happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Make it about you loving you and that's the way you open your heart to the love you've always wanted on every level and that includes spiritual love i have to say it okay good night everyone thank you to our producer lebron green our associate producer cliff dunning and to all of you modern lovers go out there and love the world bye bye 